on, everybody? Welcome to episode 214 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to take a look at our top five early offseason buys, a couple of players that we are taking at ADP across some of the many best ball tournaments that you can find out there, drafters, DraftKings, underdog, tons of ways to make money in best ball right now. And these are the players that we are buying at ADP. If you're interested in some of the players we're fading, we dropped an episode on Monday. You can go back, take a look, find out why we are off players like J.K. Dobbins, Amon Ross St. Brown, Kyle Pitts, and more. But today we're taking the optimistic view. Today we're looking at the players we want exposure to. However, before we get into that, There was a a fight in the MLB this past week, and the reason why, Joey, was pretty interesting. Yeah, so supposedly Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham had a disagreement about fantasy football dispute in terms of can you put out players on IR or whatever, and that led to Tommy Pham smacking the shit out of Jock (laughs) Peterson, Will Smith style. And he ended up getting suspended three games for doing so. And, you know, it's just pretty funny that this dude held this grudge for like six plus months after <laughs> after this whole ordeal took place. Because if I'm not mistaken, it took place in the early portion of the season, mm. of the fantasy football season, I should say. And they just brought it up now, like in, in May. It's like... He was just—he was just wait. It was on site, and he hadn't seen him yet, and now he did, and he had to get his revenge. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just crazy. I mean, one of the crazier stories to come out uh, this year, and we've had a lot of uh, crazy stories, just really over some IR bullshit. Like, nah, see, because because that's what it was about in the fantasy league. But one of them, and and I get confused about who did what here, but one of them was like he was fucking with my money. You know, and yeah, he he man. said some disrespectful shit, so he had to catch these hands. And like at that point, like it, it isn't even about fantasy football. You fucking with the man's money. And I mean, these are MLB players where we know the contracts are crazy. So I mean, I bet that their league is uh, pretty high buy-in. You know, just a guess. <laughs> yeah, probably a couple thousand. Have you ever wanted to uh, fight somebody in one of our fantasy leagues over something they said in the group chat? No. No. Bro. I I don't take it that serious. Um, I think if anybody in our league was to get fought over something, it it would probably be you. I think that you would be the one that crossed the line and said something disrespectful that somebody else would have beef with. Yeah, but if if like, there was any one person, it but, would it's, but it's be like you. nobody in the league is beating me, you know. So so it's like they don't have to beat you, but they can come up and give you those hands. Yeah, and they're gonna get the hands back. <laughs> that that's the thing you know is is i'm pretty confident nobody in in our league currently is is whooping me that's just point blank period even if the, i mean because like this was without warning like you're not going to see it coming they're oh. they are going to sneak sneak attack <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if somebody were to slap me i mean it, it's on site yeah like I, I think jock peterson he plays for the giants i believe i think he's just a beta Okay, Mm. like you don't let another grown man bitch slap you. Same shit with Chris Rock. Mm. You don't let another grown man 
bitch slap you. One, you're catching these hands immediately if you slap me. And, and two, it's like, I mean, they obviously showed a lot of restraint, but they're better men than me. Yeah. So like if you're Chris Rock in, in that situation, you're tackling. I'm well. fighting <laughs> at I'm I'm fighting at the Oscars. It's that simple. Damn, in front of his wife and kids though? Yeah, I'm fighting in front of his whole family. I'm fighting in front of the whole world. <laughs> Because at that point, it's just all about respect. Like, that's just the ultimate disrespect, is, is getting bitch slapped. Yeah, I, w- I would rather get, like, punched in the face than bitch slapped. Because the yeah, slap is saying. so disrespectful. It's not even, like, about doing max damage. It's just like, yo, here's some disrespect. Hold this on your cheek. You're just a bitch. That's what it all comes down to. Like, I, I, like, I don't respect you enough as a man to punch you. I'm going to slap you. That's how I think about it. Have you ever been slapped before? No, because... I'm not a bitch. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. That is absolutely <laughs> fair. All right, well, you know, we'll, we'll, I don't even know how to close that out. <laughs> don't uh, put out players on your IR. That's the, uh, that's the moral, that's the moral of the story. Of the story. <laughs> yeah, just, that's it. Just follow the rules and you won't get bitch slapped on <laughs> national TV. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's transition here into some actual fantasy football like I said, we talked about our off-season fades on the last episode, and we are now here to talk about our buys, Joey. Who is a player that you have found yourself buying at their current ADPs in best ball? Yeah, so I think the number one buy for me in best ball this year is Kenny Galladay. He's currently going as the wide receiver 57 on underdog with an ADP of 121 point eight and honestly i just think his adp is way too low for the upgrade and situation that the giants made for 2022 you know bringing in brian dable who led the bills to top three offensive seasons in back-to-back years although you know josh allen is a huge part of that i'm not saying daniel jones is as good as josh allen but i think the coaching upgrade and the offensive environment is just going to improve this year just overhauling the whole front office getting dave gettleman out of there getting jason garrett joe judge all those scrubs over the last two years out of there and bringing in brian dable and some other guys to you know transform this giants offense that does have talent on it right I, i think we can both agree that They do have talent, and although quarterback play might be the issue, I'm still buying Kenny Galladay just because they lost Evan Ingram, they lost John Ross, they lost Kyle Rudolph right there. That's 100-plus targets vacated from the offense. Sterling Shepard is obviously dealing with a torn Achilles injury. Who knows if he's going to be ready to go for week one. My assumption is he's not ready to go. And Kenny Galladay last year, I mean, obviously terrible 37 catches 521 yards zero touchdowns there's just no shot one he scores zero or two touchdowns this season right especially if Brian Dayball lets Daniel Jones air it out which by all accounts that's the plan he's like you know it's your it's your last year under contract probably your last year as a starter if you don't show improvement just go out there and ball and and, and let it out all on the line and I think Kenny Galladay is going to be a big part of that obviously one of the best contested catch wide receivers in the NFL. So the touchdowns are obviously going to go up. He had a 45% whopper, which is obviously, you know, targets and air yard opportunity. That was higher than some guys like Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Odell last year. So I think the targets are going to go up. I think the touchdowns are going to go up. And I think the cost is just way too low for a player that we know has a pretty, you know, decent ceiling in fantasy football. Uh, Obviously, the concern is whether or not Daniel Jones can 
can actually get him the ball and, and move the ball and put up points. But I, I really do love Kenny Galladay this year. It all makes sense to me. I mean, wide receiver 57 with an ADP of 121. Disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, God, like, you know, like, I'm a, a closet Lions fan. Like, I was a huge Kenny Galladay fan when he was with Detroit, and this situation should set up really well for him. How is Rondale Moore going above Kenny Galladay? Oh, my God. That doesn't even make any any sense remotely. I, I, I mean, I do like Kenny. The only question is, are the targets going to go up from from last year? Do you, do you think they are? Because you mentioned the guys that are leaving, but they also brought in Wandale Robinson. You know, Darius Slayton is still there. Sterling Shepard is still there. They brought in RSJ to absorb some of those tight end receptions. And he was healthy for the majority of last year. He played 14 games, somehow managed only to get 76 targets. Like he's a player who needs a, a decent amount of opportunities, I think, to capitalize. He doesn't have to have the best, you know, like catch percentage on those targets because the types of targets he gets are like high value targets and he only needs a couple to pay off in a given week. But like the target numbers have to go up. So we really need to, I guess, base this on whether or not you think Brian Dable is going to bring some of that pass happy, you know, philosophy to New York. And if you think that he is, then Kenny Galladay is a stone cold value. Yeah. And, you know, even speaking about like Tony and Tony and Sterling Shepard and Sterling Shepard and whatnot. I think those guys are pretty good buys at cost as well. But yeah, I, I definitely believe that the coaching upgrade is what matters here, mm-hmm. right? Because we know the talent that Kenny Galladay just has as a wide receiver in the NFL. Like we we know he's a talented player and can produce. We've seen it before. But yeah, I ex- I fully expect Brian Dable to come in and throw the ball more. I mean. At the end of last year, this dude Joe Judge wouldn't even throw the ball. Like, yeah, Daniel Jones was hurt, and they were trotting out like Mike Glennon and you know Jake Fromm or, or whomever was starting at the end of the season for the Giants. But they were just running the ball 35 times a game, 40 times a game, not even trying yeah. to win games and, and move the ball. So the target numbers were obviously kind of deflated because of that, and that was over like the last month of the season, which is obviously a good amount of games. So I'm not really putting too much stock into 74 targets for Kenny. That was still number one on the Giants. You know, 73 vacated targets from Evan Ingram, 45 vacated targets from Devontae Booker, 39 vacated targets from Kyle Rudolph, and then you got the other uh, scrub wide receivers like Colin Johnson, John Ross, who each had 20 plus. Uh, so there's well over 100 plus targets available, and that was with Tony and Star- Sterling Shepard already there. I think Kenny Galladay is still the wide receiver one on this offense, and I think he's going to be a focal point of the team moving forward, and I just think that Brian Dable coming in is really what's putting me on to these Giants guys this year. I think we're going to see a massive improvement in terms of offensive efficiency for the Giants this year. And if Daniel Jones can stay healthy, I also like uh, taking chances on Daniel Jones in drafts as well, uh, especially at you know his current price. That's fair. Do you think that like 65 for a thousand and six to eight touchdowns is a realistic expectation for Galladay. Yeah, for for sure. I definitely think he can get a thousand yards on, you know, a low amount of catches because 65 is, isn't a lot, right? Right. I mean, but, but uh, even but, in his, you know, best years in Detroit, he was getting 65, 70 receptions. Like he's yeah. not that guy that's going to, you know, rack up a hundred yeah. catches, but he can get big plays and score touchdowns. Yeah. He's been one of the best deep threat wide receivers since he's came into the league, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely could see him, 
you know, getting 65, 70 catches, 1,000 or 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. That's definitely a a very realistic uh, stat line for Kenny Galladay. If he gets that, like he's smashing his wide receiver 57 ADP, like absolutely smashing. He's a top 30 wide receiver at that point. Right. So I think, I just think he's a total buy right now. You know, the cost has never been lower for a player of his caliber. And like I said, there's there's guys like, you know, Russell Gage, Christian Kirk, uh, Sky Moore, who hasn't even stepped foot on a football field. Um, all those guys are going above uh, Kenny Galladay right now. So As well as uh, Ant-Man. So, yeah. Unbelievable. That's, that's a tough scene. Yeah, I- I'm all in on uh, Kenny G right there with you. I also like that. You know, his final two games of the season for best ball are against the Vikings and Colts. Those are a couple, you know, spots that you can use Kenny as a bring back as a one off for your Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson stuff. Or if you, you know, have the one on one secure Jonathan Taylor, Kenny Galladay is a great week 17 piece to add to that correlation. All aboard Kenny G right there with you. For me, the number one buy that I have been all over. And I really came to the realization this week when I switched from my focus on DraftKings to underdog and his ADP was even higher on underdog and I was still buying. That's when I knew that this was a stand I'm taking. And that is Marquise Hollywood Brown currently going as the wide receiver 17 on underdog 37.6 ADP. Obviously the situation for him, I think is the best it's ever been reuniting with his college quarterback. They saw a ton of success together. There's a lot of familiarity between Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown. You zoom out and look at the team perspective. There's been this tension with Kyler and the Cardinals since the season ended and they made a clear cut effort to, you know, appease him. This is something he wanted. He wanted Hollywood there and they went out and they did it. And it corresponds with what Marquise Brown said as well. You know, he wanted to get out of that Ravens scheme where the main focus was always just run, run, run the ball. All right. He wants to be a focal point of a passing game and he should be here. DeAndre Hopkins gone for the first six weeks. Christian Kirk off to the Jaguars. They gave him a huge bag and he's taking a hundred plus targets with him. The only other receivers there are, you know, like you said, Rondale Moore, what Zach Ertz, whatever they give to the backfield in in terms of targets. Like there is just such a wide availability of targets for Marquise Brown to immediately step into. He's already got the chemistry with Kyler Murray. He's a big play threat. He's coming off of the best year of his career. He's been getting better and better. And he's just the type of player who has shown the upside, but the scheme and the opportunity has always been reduced just because of the philosophy of the Ravens. And I, I just think that he is about to get absolutely unlocked in this spot. I just can't envision him failing, especially in the first six weeks of the season without DeAndre Hopkins. And I think by that point, he'll have become such a proven asset to the team that DeAndre Hopkins coming back will not impact him. I just think that they're Mm -hmm. going to command such a large portion of the targets and everybody else is going to be ancillary. And I mean, Marquise Brown, three, four turn, I'm taking it all day, every day. I mean, you said everything. I I agree. I'm starting to come around to Hollywood. And I think obviously he's going to, he's going to smash, absolutely smash the first six weeks of the season without D hop. And then I think when D hop comes back, you know, I agree with your point that he's going to have already established himself as a key piece of the offense. And then I also think that when D hop comes back, that's probably going to help him a little bit more because the defenses are going to have to worry about 
you know, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and Hopkins and kind of shade coverage towards him. So I think Hollywood Brown is a pretty good buy right now. I'm starting to come around to the idea of of drafting him above uh, some of some of these guys like DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle, uh, Michael Pittman, and, and kind of put him in that Mike Williams, T Higgins range. So yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. And he's got a pretty enticing playoff schedule. I mean, the Cardinals in general, they got Broncos at home against the Bucks, and then week 17 against an absolutely abysmal Falcons team that they could probably drop 35 plus on, you know, on a bad day. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard uh, Hollywood Brown, two wide receivers. And I think you've got another one for us here. Yeah, going literally in the same range as Hollywood, just a couple picks off. My second favorite buy for best ball right now is Amari Cooper going as the wide receiver 20. And obviously, we know that Amari Cooper is a good wide receiver in the NFL. He has shown it over the course of his career. And I I would say a lot of this depends on Deshaun Watson news, and we should get that this week, if I'm not mistaken. But there's just going to be so much opportunity available for Amari Cooper in this Browns offense you know they drafted David Bell so he's a rookie but other than that they have Jakeem Grant Donovan Peoples-Jones Anthony Schwartz the wide receiver they drafted last year Javon Wims those are the guys that that people will know and then they have obviously a bunch of guys that are just uh, undrafted rookies or whatever there's no competition for targets literally none and we know that Amari Cooper has been able to earn targets over the course of his career and this is his best quarterback situation of his career Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott and we've seen Deshaun Watson elevate the players around him and give you know his skill position players great fantasy seasons you know whether that be DeAndre Hopkins Brandon Cooks Will Fuller Deshaun Watson is the type of quarterback that can support two three you know maybe even four other skill position players and I just think depending on this Watson news Amari Cooper is just way too cheap for a player that could see 140, 145, 150 targets and 100 plus catches easily this season if he stays healthy. And I think the touchdown upside is extremely high. This Browns offense is one of the best in the NFL if Watson plays the whole season. And, you know, we talked about this a while ago and you said there was absolutely no chance he doesn't get suspended. And I and I was still then saying that there there is a slight chance he doesn't. And I think right now there's probably like a 25% chance he doesn't get suspended at all. Mm. So really? it, it, it would be wheels up. That, I mean, I, yeah, I've, if that happens, Amari Cooper's like a third round pick. Yeah, like a, a high end third round pick. He was like a second round, third round pick last year with CD Lamb there, and obviously Zeke and Gallup and, and the tight ends and whatnot. And now he's competing with David Bell, Donovan Peoples Jones, David Njoku, who obviously they just gave a massive contract to. You know, I'm not too worried about those guys. So I think his ADP is just not correct in my opinion. So that's why I'm buying him. Right. I've I've already come out and said that I think that if any wide receiver has a chance in that range to sort of elevate and become like a Cooper Cup-esque high-end wide receiver one, that it's Mike Williams 
But if it's not Mike Williams, it's absolutely Amari yeah. Cooper. Like I, I could absolutely. totally see that happening, especially if the Deshaun Watson suspension is non-existent or very light. Can you know, like three games, three, four it's games, like, and he gets you know the other however many with Amari Cooper locked in with an elite target share, no other competition for targets. Like it would be wheels up for Amari Cooper. I think that him having the best season of his career is well within the range of outcomes. Like you said, just the opportunity to dominate targets with Deshaun Watson is clear cut there. So I I love Amari Cooper this year. I'm right there with you. Been drafting a ton of him and I'm going to continue to. I I think he's just a clear cut by, you know, he's still only 27 years old, which is, which is crazy. He's played eight years in the NFL. Yeah. With five, a thousand yard seasons. Like, I mean, he's so, he's so consistent, so consistent. Like he he's gonna put up catches, he's gonna put up yards, and I, I think if Watson is only suspended a couple games, or if he's not suspended at all, like both of them stay healthy, Amari Cooper is having the best year of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go on record and say that I think he could easily see a hundred plus catches, and his career high in yards is eleven eighty nine. I think he could get twelve hundred yards in a hundred catches. Shit, he um, might get like fourteen hundred if Watson doesn't get suspended. I mean, no cap. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think Amari Cooper is just a straight up buy at this point. I'm right there with you, brother. Nothing else I think needs to be said on that. So far, we are in agreement across the board. Let's see if that continues as we check in on Amari Cooper's former quarterback, who despite the loss of the elite wide receiver I'm still in on, Dak Prescott currently going as the quarterback 10 on underdog. And to me, Dak Prescott is the most realistic quarterback being drafted outside of the top six that could finish way higher than his ADP. Like I I, I just don't understand necessarily the ADP gap between guys like Joe Burrow, who's going 20 picks ahead of Dak, to where Dak is. The only negative surrounding Dak Prescott, in my opinion anyways, is that he lost Amari Cooper. However, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, James Washington, a second-round rookie in Tolbert entering the fold, Dalton Schultz, if he continues to be the productive tight end that he was last year, is still an incredibly elite offense. Like this is still a great situation for Dak, even without Amari Cooper. He's got one of the softest divisions in the league, shouldn't struggle to put up points. And he's been incredibly consistent basically every year of his career. You know, he's always good for a couple of spike weeks, a couple 30 spots throughout the year. And last season was his lowest rushing output of his career that he played a full season in. For the first three years of of Dak's career, he was putting up six rushing touchdowns every single year. He had one last year. If that shifts back a little bit more towards his career average you're getting more on the ground from him and I don't know man I just I think that CD Lamb and Michael Gallup can really put up very similar numbers to what you know CD and Amari Cooper were able to last year I don't I'm not knocking him at all for the departure of his weapons I'm all over Dak Prescott like it would not shock me at all if he finished as a top five quarterback and he's going as QB 10 it's it's such an easy buy for me right now yeah I think I think Dak is obviously a good fantasy quarterback and the offensive situation is good just in terms of like where he's going in his ADP it's hard to rank him higher than the guys going above him you know Brady Burrow Hurts Murray Jackson Herbert Mahomes Allen Russ like who are you putting Dak over at that point so I think it's correct that he's 10 but I also agree with your assessment that there's definitely a realistic possibility that he finishes above quarterback 10 yeah so I I mean I think that 
like if you're looking at the guys in his range, like I think that him and Russell Wilson have good shots to outproduce their ADP. But would it shock you if those guys finished ahead of Burrow or Jalen Hurts or Tom Brady? Like it wouldn't. Like yeah, I, no. I don't know. No, it, it definitely wouldn't shock me. Um, obviously Dak wasn't great in fantasy last year, so I think that's why his ADP is kind of where it is at currently but I still think the the offensive environment and the upside of the Cowboys offense in general is still very high so yeah I I like Dak obviously I'd really only target Dak if I had one of you know Lamb or uh, Gallup at that point for the for the Cowboys stack but that's that's um, kind of the other thing that I like about Dak is that if you're missing on your early round stacks you can come around in the mid rounds and grab yeah, Dak and Dalton Schultz, Schultz together yeah. and then get Gallup late or Washington in the last round Tober. Tober in the in the mid late rounds like CD Lamb is the only guy who's going in the first six rounds from the Cowboys I mean except for Zeke yeah. but nobody's drafting yeah. Zeke come on um <laughs> yeah but like you know you you scoop CD and you can wait six rounds to get your quarterback one and still have a ton of upside so I I really do yeah. love that uh for for Dak and the Cowboys offense this year all right let's close out the show with a pick that we both agree on i tweeted about it i'm all aboard darnell mooney chicago bears wide receiver one the only wide receiver with a pulse in the great city of chicago going in the sixth round and i I feel like i'm addicted to drafting darnell mooney this offseason i mean rightfully so Allen robinson obviously left they added Velas jones through the draft who by all accounts was just a total reach Mm -hmm. and like he's just so unathletic and whatnot. So I don't think he's going to be much of a factor. They signed Byron Pringle, who got arrested uh, like a couple months ago. Yeah, he was driving uh, like 120. Yeah, GGs. I mean, can't lie and say I haven't done that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you don't have as much to lose. That is true. I actually have nothing to lose. <laughs> um, but. Darnell Mooney is going as the wide receiver 30 currently, right now, on underdog, right? This dude was top 10 or top 12 in every category last year besides catches. Do people not realize that? As he was a second-year wide receiver on a terribly coached offense with a struggling rookie quarterback. like He he was 11th in targets, okay, and, and receiving yards as well, because he was 11th in targets with 140, but only 81 catches. So that's 60 missed targets to Darnell Mooney, and he only ended up having 1,000 yards. But he had 1,400 air yards, four touchdowns. Okay, I shouldn't say he's top 10 in every, every category, because he's not. But I'm saying in the important categories like target share, target percentage, air yard percentage, whopper, dude is top 10 in all of them. Mm -hmm. And he's going as the wide receiver 30. The opportunity is just crazy high for Darnell Mooney. And if the efficiency even just slightly rises with Justin Fields there in year two and an upgrade in coaching, hopefully, I think there is still room for growth for Darnell Mooney. And obviously he showed that he does have, you know, the upside to win weeks as as we saw in 2021 uh multiple 20 plus point games over the course of the season and that was with very incompetent quarterback play so yeah I mean the only thing that gives me pause is sort of what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks where it's like do you want to target good players in bad situations because of opportunity or not and to me it's difficult because it 
on the surface is a terrible situation. And I don't expect the Bears to be good. I don't expect their passing offense to be lighting the league on fire. But I think the targets could be so consolidated and that there is enough optimism that Justin Fields can take a second year leap that I'm still willing to draft Darnell Mooney. I mean, at mm-hmm. the points in drafts where Mooney is going, he's really like the only wide receiver one that you're still taking. Like after him is Elijah Moore, Amonra St. Brown, who we talked about on the last episode is a player we're fading. And then a handful of rookies, guys like London and Burks, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, who's already out six games, Devontae Smith, who's now taking a backseat to AJ Brown. And I don't know, man, Darnell Mooney already had 140 targets last year. He had four games with over 120 yards in his second year in a bad situation with a struggling quarterback. If, If Justin Fields improves even slightly and the targets remain consistent, which they absolutely should, I don't see how he's not blowing by wide receiver 30. I don't see how he's not paying off a six round ADP easily. And, you know, Darnell Mooney is a guy that we're going to be looking at in the third round next year. So get him while you can at this price. That's, that's how I feel about it. Yep. I'm right there with you. I I think that he's just blossoming into, you know, one of the more underrated wide receivers in the NFL, obviously just because the, the bears haven't been good in recent years and, you know, they, they don't get as much national attention as they once did. But this is still a guy that I think can play. He has all the athletic measurables that you want in a wide receiver one. Like, he's tall, he's fast, good hands, good route running, and he can earn targets, as we saw in the last half of 2021. You know, multiple games with 10-plus targets, only one game with seven or less targets from Week 10 on. And he had five targets in that game against Green Bay. So he earns targets. He has deep playability. He has spike weeks in his range of outcomes. And, you know, he's a he's a wide receiver three right now. So I definitely think that he can finish as a wide receiver two or better this year, even in a bad situation. And that's really the only concern is just a bad overall team environment. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I think the opportunity is just way too high to fade Darnell Mooney this year. It is. And I mean, just... Cost included, that there might not be a higher upside stack than Fields QB eighteen and Mooney wide receiver thirty. Like they could both blow by those. So yeah. I don't know. That mm-hmm. that that's a secondary stack that I've been targeting a lot in drafts. And, and yeah, I think that that just about covers it in terms of five of the players that we are smashing at their current costs at ADP right now. I think that that is going to be it for episode two fourteen of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrying DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast, join the inner circle. The link to do so is via our free Discord in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.